You're welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor T.B. Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Hallelujah. Today I want to share with you what I've titled Reigning in Righteousness. Hallelujah. Sorry, reigning through righteousness. And um, I've taken a cue from what we shared last week. Hallelujah. Are you ready for God's word? Reigning through righteousness. God had spent 6,000 years trying to communicate to mankind his heart for mankind. And in those 6,000 years, some have come to understand to an extent the heart of God, while some are still in darkness about God's thoughts, his intentions, his purpose for mankind. Today I believe that as you listen to the message, you will feel the heart of God. Hallelujah. You will see the heart of God. Amen. Right from the Old Testament, God's desire had been for his people not to ever be oppressed. It has been for his people to always be above. To be the head. To be in charge. To reign. But from time to time, God's people have had sometimes nations come to reign over them. The children of Israel at one time were in bondage to Egypt. So Egypt reigned over them. That was not God's plan. The Midianites have reigned over them. The kingdom of Medes and Persia. And many other nations, several other nations, even the Roman Empire at the time, reigned over God's people. But it was never God's original plan. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, we'll kick off with that scripture, verse 6. God's word clearly says, For the Lord thy God, this was to the children of Israel, blessed thee as he promised thee. And then he started explaining what the blessing is. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. Thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. Hallelujah. Now, this was God's plan for his servants. But what do you think his plan is for his sons? Amen. You are sons. Glory to God. So he said, his desire for them was that they will lend to nations. Meaning that they will have economic advantage over the nations that surround them. It means that they will have financial um, um, independence. Glory to God. Somehow, they will be financially stable and above board. They will not be dependent on nations because God understands the role of finances and economics. In exercising influence, the simple reason 
why some other nations are ahead of some other nations is how they have managed their economy. Hallelujah. Are we together? And so God doesn't want you to be in a situation where because of money, you can't exercise your godly influence. Reigning simply means exercising kingly influence. Exercising kingly authority. Dominion. Being in charge. Not being oppressed. That's what it means to reign. And now, if you want to reign, or if you have to reign, then you should be financially stable. Hallelujah. Am I communicating? And so God said, the blessing is that you will lend to nations. Because if you have to borrow from nations, then the scripture will be fulfilled. That the borrower will always be servant to the lender. Hallelujah. Because it's what the one lending to you tells you that you will do. Amen. Why do you have believers? They love God. They want to serve God. But they have a boss that doesn't believe in church. Doesn't believe in God. And then he will say, on Sunday morning, we are going to count all the money we made from Monday to Saturday. And the employee cannot open his mouth and say, no, I'm going to serve my God on that day. Why? Because he has to submit because of money. Amen. Are we communicating? Now, in the old covenants, God instructed his people that they should walk, but on the Sabbath day, they must rest and serve him. The Sabbath day was God's way of making the people recognize the fact that their prosperity is not based on how hard they work. Their prosperity is based on their covenant with God. So he said, that Sabbath day, nothing should make you walk. And so the Jews obeyed that. We are not under the old covenant, but the principle is the same. God must have his place in your life. Your job, your finance, your financial needs should never make you to be in bondage in such a way that you cannot serve God the way you ought to serve God. Why was God interested in bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, let my people go that they may serve. As long as they are in bondage, they cannot serve God the way they want to serve God. And so God said, let them go. And by a mighty hand, he set them free. Why? God wants them to be above and not beneath. He wants them to be the head and not the tail. I use this illustration and I believe it will help you. The typical Jewish man, Israelite, is raised in a way. The one that practices Judaism and studies the old covenant, there's a mindset he has. They are raised to be two things. Either you are raised to be a professional in your field or you are raised to be an entrepreneur. A professional means that you are an expert in your field or you are raised as a child to be an entrepreneur, meaning you will start your own business. The reason why they were trained that way was so that they will never be under this oppression of anybody. Hallelujah. That's why you will hardly see a Jewish man of Jewish parents in a foreign country, pushing truck, doing many other jobs. No. They come to that country, they will start up a business. Even if they join a corporation, they will not rest until they get to the top. Hallelujah. Because they believe that they are in a covenant with God to be the head and not the tail. Now, you are a part of that covenant. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus Christ died to bring you into a covenant with God so that you will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not beneath. 
when you function with that mindset in your place of work, you might have been employed as a clerk. You just say, this is where I started, but I'm going up. Going up is natural with me. Hallelujah. Oh, you might say, okay, I just started a small shop at the corner. A small business. But I know I'm going up. Hallelujah. The man that came to the street corner and just opened a small shop will soon own the whole street. Hallelujah. That's why they didn't like the Jews. The Jews never settle where you kept them. When they come here, they keep expanding, expanding until they take over. Take over is a culture, a Jewish culture. Hallelujah. It's a kingdom mindset to take over. I don't know where you are right now, but let it be known that you are positioned there so that you can you can what? Take over. Tap your number say, I'm taking over. Say it again, I'm taking over. Now, that's the mindset of the kingdom. You are not positioned there just to stay there and end there. Growth and increase and expansion is God's plan for you. Until you have taken over. Remember God's blessing in Genesis chapter 1 from 26 to 28. Remember the blessing when he blessed mankind. He said, and God blessed them. Then he said, be fruitful. Hallelujah. Be fruitful means produce something. Produce something. There must be something that you are producing in your life. It could be an idea. It could be a service. It could be um, whatever. But there's something that you are producing. Then he said, be fruitful. The second thing he said, multiply. Now that thing that you are producing, increase it. Hallelujah. Then he said, replenish the earth. Fill up the place. As you multiply, fill up the place with that thing that you are producing. Oh, you say, I just, it's one small business. I just sell um, 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 wristwatches and all that. I just buy like five and I sell. When I, I buy another five. No. Don't stop there. Start buying ten. Start buying fifty. Start buying hundred. Soon, let everybody be wearing your wristwatch. Amen. So he said, replenish the earth. That to replenish means fill up the place with your products. Amen. Fill up the place with your idea. It's God's plan. That's the way the kingdom of God will take over the kingdoms of this world. Amen. Are we together? When you start a school, you might start a nursery school, and you to grow. Then God will tell you now, this school you planted in Protocol, plant it in every city in Nigeria. And your school is based on godly standards. Any child that goes through that school is raised up with morals that will last them a lifetime. Amen? Now, as you replenish the nation with your schools, there will be better children in the next generation. Are we together? Increase is a must. Tap your number say it's a must. So he said, replenish the earth. Then he said, subdue it. Amen? That means take over. You become the thing they are talking about. You become the reference point. Are you with me? Tell me never say, I become the reference point. Then people will now start saying, my shop is going to be like, I don't know what your name is, this person's shop. You become the reference point. My business will be like this. My marriage will be like, your, your life becomes the reference point. When your life becomes the reference point, uh-huh, you have met the Father's desire for you. Amen. Are we together? That's God's plan. Yeah, you will be the head. Look at this promise. He said, I have blessed you according as I promised that you will lend to nations and you will not borrow from nations. You will reign over nations and they will not reign over you. That is you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now understand something. In the new covenants, in the new testament, this is no more a promise. 
It has been fulfilled. Hallelujah. We are the fulfillment of that prophecy. Hallelujah. Now, there's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. In the old covenant, there were several promises that were made. Oh, I could tell you, I will give you a house. I will give you a land. I will give you a car. It's a promise. Hallelujah. In the new covenant, it doesn't say, I will give you. It says, I have given you a house. I have given you a land. Are you listening to me? In the new covenant, it has been given to us. The Holy Spirit was promised in the old covenant. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit has been given. Amen. Salvation was promised in the old covenant. In the new covenant, salvation has been given. Amen. Now, we are the recipients of this blessing of the new covenant. Salvation belongs to us. Healing belongs to us. Deliverance belongs to us. Prosperity belongs to us. Victory belongs to us. Hallelujah. We are not waiting to enter into it. It's ours now. Hallelujah. The day we hear of it is the day we receive it. Amen. Are we together? So understand that. So when we start talking about reigning, we're talking about being in dominion, being in charge, exercising kingly authority. Wherever you are in your career, in your family, God wants your word to be the word that is reigning in that place. He wants your, your, your sayings, your opinion to reign and dominate. Why is that so? Now, in the world we live in, the world is evil because evil men are in charge. Simple. If godly men are in charge, the world will be godly. Am I communicating? That's what it is. Amen. So, God wants more godly men to take their place and begin to dictate what will happen. Amen. Are we together? Are we together? Imagine on a particular street, every day, they are doing funny things on that street. Maybe they have court groups on that street. Maybe they are always um, um, into um, um, dr- um, drinking alcohol and getting into all those kind of orgies and all that on that street. Then you are the richest man on the street. You now say, look, on this street, I don't want all this nonsense again. You say, yes, sir. If you are not the richest man on the streets, you say, I don't want this again. <laughs> Just look at you. Who are you? Amen. Uh, is that not so? In Ecclesiastes, the Bible talked about a poor man. He said he was a poor man. He was a poor wise man. That by his wisdom, he delivered a city. The city was besieged by enemies. The poor wise man delivered the city. But the Bible says that soon later, the poor man was forgotten. Hallelujah. So don't be a poor wise man. Meaning that it takes wealth to be remembered. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Wisdom will help, but you will soon, your help will soon be forgotten. Amen. So don't be a poor wise man. Tap your say, don't be a poor wise man. It's good to be wise, but add words to it. Shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So God wants us to reign. He wants us to be able to exercise that dominion in your school. Hallelujah. Oh, I remember when I was in university then. Um, my classmates would gather. And then they would, um, in that department, they would just come up, maybe at the end of uh, a particular year, maybe our third year or fourth year, they would say, we want to have a class party. They want to do a class party. So they would say, everybody used to contribute such amount of money for the class party. And they will now want to tie the contribution to something. If you don't contribute, they won't give you something. Or you won't have access to something. Maybe the lecturer said they should give us assignment or something. They say, if you don't contribute that money, they won't give you your own assignment. They don't need to bring that nonsense around me. Amen? 
Are you with me? They don't bring that nonsense around me. They say class party, class party, class party. Uh, pastor, see your own assignment. Take. The rest of you, class party, class party. Amen. <laughs> they don't bring that. Are you understanding me? That's what God wants you to be like in your city. Amen. Are we together? Yeah. So I told them once, I said, where every day class party, let's do class crusade. Amen. That would be a good idea. Amen. You should have a class crusade. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't need your contribution. I will sponsor it. Amen. Glory to God. Am I communicating? God wants you to exercise dominion. When you are somehow financially dependent on a wrong person, the person will influence you with his own values. Do you know that? If you are financially dependent on a why do you have young ladies that are following old men up all around? They don't have money. They say, I will buy you, what do they buy for, for them? Um, Blackberry phone. I will buy you this. I will buy you that. And they do anything the, the, the person wants them to do. Now, that is as a result of poverty. Poverty is, is demonic. Amen. Are we together? You know, it's a curse. What poverty does to a man is that it enslaves him to something. So when a man is experiencing poverty, he will be a slave. Not willingly. <laughs> Amen. Not willingly. He has no choice. So he's just there. They say do like this, he will do. They say do like this, he will do. Poverty is not necessarily the absence of money. Amen. Someone can have cash, but he's still poor. Amen. Because it's a mindset. Glory to God. It's a way of thinking. I use this illustration that will help us in this service. Poverty makes someone believe that he is a victim. And if you are here, how do you know if poverty has a hold on you or not? It's not because you are wearing a good shoe or not wearing a good shoe. It's not because you are wearing good clothes. No, that's not how to know. How we will know whether poverty still has a hold on you is, do you still feel you are a victim? Do you still talk like those people that are eating Nigerian money, we that are suffering? Are you among the masses? The, what is affecting the infection on the masses is poverty. Amen? And when you are on that side, you will still think like that. When you see someone that has money, you are angry with him. He didn't do anything to you. You don't know him. You are just angry with him. All these rich people. He didn't do anything to you. Amen. That's poverty speaking there. Amen. It makes you always feel you are a victim. And it is the same poverty that makes a man. Hello, am I getting someone's attention? Feel nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants to help me. That my uncle, he has money, but he doesn't want to help me. You, why can't you be the uncle that has money to help others? Amen? So, if you are sitting down here, you are listening to me, and you are always thinking, nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants That's poverty controlling your life. As long as poverty makes you, see, believe that you are a victim, you will stay with it. But when you learn from God's word, and break out of that victim mentality, I am not a victim of circumstances. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where I was born. It doesn't matter who my father was. It doesn't matter my uh, educational background. I declare because of what Jesus had done for me, though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor, that I through his poverty might become rich. Therefore, I declare I am rich. You are not saying it for any other reason than the fact that Jesus died for you. Amen? Are we together? You are breaking out of that hold 
of poverty that makes you feel you are a victim in this life. You are a victim in this life. If I go primary school, if that I went to secondary school, if only I had a first degree, I know what I would have been. Don't worry, don't worry. No, 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 no. That's not a limitation. There are many men all around the place that didn't enter, go through the four walls of any school. Amen. Go to Anisha, you will see them. Amen. They are doing well, important things. Amen. From different parts of the world. They, they cannot even count very well. Except you put the Naira sign to the figure. Then they will understand what you are talking about. Amen. Are you listening to me? So stop telling yourself, this is the reason. When poverty holds you down, what it really is, is condemnation. Hallelujah. Are we together? It makes you believe you don't qualify for anything good. So you see someone saying, there are some ladies that say, they don't qualify to be married. They just say they don't qualify. Ah, one day, which day will a man also see me and, and marry me and tell me at least, <laughs> will you marry me? <laughs> Amen. That condemnation, you know what it does to you? It blocks your opportunities. Amen. Until you break out of that condemnation, everything that you are condemned about will never happen. Hallelujah. It will happen. Some of you feel you are too tall. That's why your problem is. Some of you feel you are too short. That's the problem. Say, this is my, I'm just so fat. I'm just a fool. I'm just so fat. I'm just so fat. If I was not this, oh, oh. That's condemnation. Hallelujah. And the devil knows he will keep bringing that condemnation to you. And as long as you accept it, it will be the reason why you will not prosper. Hallelujah. Some of you think that the reason you are not going to prosper is because of the tribe you come from. It's because I'm from here. We are a minority tribe. We are a minority tribe. And that condemnation is what the devil has been using to keep you down. God wants to do something in your life. But somehow you have accepted That you don't qualify. Hallelujah. Amen. And listen, that's the biggest thing, tool in the hands of the enemy against the believer is condemnation. When Adam ate of the fruits in the garden, remember the story? The moment he ate of the fruits, then the Bible says his eyes were opened. Then he saw that he was naked. That means at that moment he had condemned himself. Amen. You know what he started doing? Condemnation will make you run away from help rather than run to help. So instead of running to God, he was now running away from God, hiding. How can a man hide from God? Amen. God is coming. He's Dutch. And there's so many of you. The reason why you don't go to church is because I'm a bad guy. That's why I don't go to church. If you're a bad guy, church is where you should go to. Amen? 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 Yeah. The people that go to hospital, are they, is it the people that are well that go to hospital? Who goes to the hospital? You have to be sick to go to the hospital. So look at the sick people here. All need help. Amen? You think you are... You, know, you, see, you know some of you think, you know, just sit down, just look at the person close to you. He's wearing a tie and suit. He looks like a righteous man. Look at me, I'm just a bloody sinner. <laughs> if the person sitting close to you tells you his own sin, you will say, I am God. <laughs> Amen. 
Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know something? They don't write on anybody's forehead <laughs> what the person can do. Amen. <laughs> There are some people that are blessed with an innocent look. Amen. <laughs> are you understanding? They are just blessed with an innocent look. That's all. Amen. Apart from their look, there's nothing else innocent about them. Amen. Guilty all around, apart from their face. Are we together? Now, but the point is, condemnation is the tool Satan will always use to keep the believer down. So Adam saw that he was naked. You know, when God came, He asked, Adam, where are you? Are you trying to tell me God didn't know that Adam had eaten the fruit? He knew. He was still looking for him. Listen to me. God knows that your life is not right, but He's still looking for you. I said, He's still looking for you. He's still looking for you. He still needs you. Because He cannot correct you if He doesn't have you. Amen? So He wants to still have you. So imagine, Adam had eaten the fruit. God was still looking for him. Adam, where are you? He said, I heard your voice. And I hid myself because I am naked. Hey! I am naked means because I am wicked. Because I am a sinner. Because I didn't go to school. Because, are you understanding me? All the reasons you give yourself. Because, because, they say, ah, why is it that? Why, why, why are you not succeeding in life? All of you here, if they ask you why you are not succeeding the way you ought to succeed, you have something you will say because. Listen, today, remove that because. Amen? I said remove it. Amen? Nothing will stop you again. Amen? Are we together? Something because, 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 because. I am naked. That's what he said. If you confess your nakedness, you miss God's blessings. Then God asked him a question. Who told you that you are naked? Amen? Who told you you are naked? You know, in essence, God was saying, who, who, who authorized you to call yourself naked? Amen? And God is asking you, who, who told you you are poor? Who told you you are broke? Who told you you are a failure? Who told you? Did, in essence, God is asking, did I tell you no other person has a right to tell you anything apart from me. Did I tell you you are a failure? Did you ever read in my scriptures, in the book of Second Tribulations chapter 3, you now found somewhere where he told you, thou art a failure. It, anybody has seen that scripture before? You have the book of Second Tribulations in your Bible? Amen? <laughs> if God didn't call you a failure, then don't call yourself a failure. Are we together? So God asked, who told you you are naked? Who told you? You know what God now did? The Bible says, Adam took leaves and made an apron for himself to cover his nakedness. That is man trying to be righteous by himself. Hallelujah. He took leaves and covered himself. When God showed up, you know what God did? God took animal skin because that one had blood and covered him. Hallelujah. Now, listen. This guy had offended God. Imagine, you know what happens sometimes when you say someone stole in a market. They will mob him and beat him up. Now, you had, I, what I expected was God will show up. Eh? You ate the fruit and you are coming. 
Come and remove water. Remove everything. And naked him again. <laughs> That's what you expect God to do. Is that not so? No. God said, ah, no, no. I will cover you well. Amen. These, these leaves are not good enough. Amen. God took animal skin and coated man. Hallelujah. That's God's love. Amen. Now, that thing God did by bringing a coat of skin was God giving him his own righteousness. Amen. Rather than Adam trying to establish his own righteousness. Amen. Are we together? Now, in the new covenants, God has given us his own righteousness. So that we will not be depending on our own righteousness. Our righteousness is our right doing. Say, ah, the reason I believe that God is going to see my business through because uh, I fasted for seven days and seven, um, seven nights and uh, there's no harm. My business will not be in the level of seven. And another person will say, well, ah, you know, sometimes some of you, you go out on the way and then maybe you are ah, somewhere and then a car brushed you. Ah, you say, hey, maybe I didn't pray well today. I didn't read my Bible very well. <laughs> That's not why God protects you. God does not protect you because you read your Bible. God does not prosper you because you prayed well. He protects you, prospers you because He loves you. Amen. Simple. And now, what Jesus died for was so that you will be protected, so that you will be saved, so that you will prosper. It has nothing to do with what you did or what you didn't do. Amen. Now, we're going somewhere. If a child of God is still functioning with the mindset of condemnation, he will keep having challenges receiving what God has provided for him. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Hallelujah. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Meaning that when you come into Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Tap your number and say, No more condemnation. Say it again, no more condemnation. Now, no condemnation means that God does not condemn you anymore. Hallelujah. Are we together? He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't look at you and say, see his head. I will show this, this my son. He's not reading his Bible. He's not, see he's not using those eyes to read the Bible. I will blind them. That's not how God behaves. Amen. That's not his nature. Glory to God. No condemnation. There's a tag on your life that says no condemnation. You know, sometimes you're passing a property and you see on the fence or on the wall, they write, not for sale. Eh? Now, on your own life, there is no condemnation here. Hallelujah. No condemnation here. Now, if God has not condemned you, why are you condemning yourself? Amen. I was telling you a story about my second son. He did something and he was corrected, you know. And he was crying. At the moment, he was crying. At that same moment, we were sharing something for everybody. Maybe like sweets or whatever. Come and say, he's crying. He's still coming to collect. So, that's no condemnation. Amen. That, that he did something wrong does not mean that what the father is sharing is not part of it. He still understands he's a son. Amen. Are you listening to me? This is the son. Hallelujah. He's crying. He's collecting his own. No, no, this is mine. This is mine. He's crying. Hallelujah. Amen. That's no condemnation. Look at him and say, no condemnation. Hallelujah. Now, 
I want to read a scripture to you. And then we're going to move to the next part of what we want to share with you. First of all, I've established that without the understanding of no condemnation, you cannot reign. Without the understanding of your righteousness, you cannot reign. Because reigning requires confidence. Amen? Amen? Let's assume that you have, you are in a company. There is a managing director in the company. When he talks, everybody will obey him. Alright? When he says something, everybody will obey him. Okay, you go here, you go here, you do this, you do that, do that. Then you are a security man in that company. You are not even a junior staff. You are a junior, junior staff. Amen? Then one day, you saw the MD doing something that the company policy had said nobody should do. Amen? Are you with me? And then the MD, maybe the, the company says nobody should carry a particular equipment out. And he took it out. And you saw him. Then he now calls for a meeting. For all the staff he's talking. Before in that meeting you used to sit down. Now he's talking, you will stand up. Then we say, my friend, is there a problem? You, you ask him, is there a problem? <laughs> we say, okay, no problem. <laughs> he has lost his confidence. Are you with me? He can't reign in that company. Because he's condemned. Amen? There's an action. <laughs> there is something that someone knows. Glory to God. Am I communicating? And so, he cannot exercise his authority beyond that. Hello? Meaning that for us to reign, we must deal with condemnation. Hallelujah. Are we together? If you don't deal with condemnation, you can't reign. Now, when we talk about righteousness, in the old covenant, okay, let's, let's take it from this angle. When we talk about righteousness, most of the time, people think righteousness is right doing. Now, righteousness is not right doing. Does God want us to do the right thing? Obviously, yes, absolutely. He wants every child of God to live right, talk right, behave right. Amen? But that's not righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. Hallelujah. Amen? Right standing with God. Let me give an instance. If in this church there are some people at least I'm not a scary person. I'm not huge, muscular, big. You understand that? When you see me say whether I'm going to punch you. You know? But there are just some human beings because of maybe the office I occupy or my position. If I want to talk to them they will not be confident to talk to me. Hello? Even in church, and if I just say hello, you see, he, he, he. <laughs> they be wondering what's the problem. There are some, the reason is that they believe that if they stand with me, maybe God will tell me what's wrong they are doing. Amen. Amen. Are we together? So, I, 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 I spoke to someone one time. I said, I was talking to the person who was going. 
Alright, yes. Assistant now. It's okay, okay. Then I'll keep talking. The person will be going. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then there are some others that they know I love them. Hallelujah. They know I love them. So when they are talking to me, even if something is wrong in their life, they just know that pastor loves me. Amen. Even if he corrects me, it's for my benefit. Amen. So, they are talking to me. Ah, if, if they didn't brush their teeth, they don't mind. Amen. Because I'm not relating with them based on how well dressed they are. Amen. Then there are some people, you know, there are some people in church that don't want pastor to know that they, there are some people that drink alcohol. They don't want pastor to know they drink alcohol. Then there are some that their life is not straight. They don't want the pastor to ever hear. <laughs> There's a guy that used to brush his wife. Yeah? But he doesn't want pastor to know that he used to beat his wife. You understand that? Then he will warn the wife. If you tell pastor, hey, two of us will die. Instead of stopping the beating, he's threatening the wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, those kind of people, they are trying to be righteous in their own rights. Amen. They are trying to earn that access to pastor based on what pastor thinks about them. Now, what they need to understand is that before you did, before I even knew whether you were good or bad, I've already accepted you. Amen. Are you listening to me? Oh, I've seen you. You are a church member. I've accepted you. In accepting you, I might not find out that you are a bad guy. After accepting you, I might not find out that you are actually a good person. But I will not reject you because I've already accepted you. Righteousness is God's acceptance of you. Amen. Are you listening to me? He has already accepted you. He's not accepting you because you prayed so much. You read your Bible so much. He accepted you before you even started reading your Bible. He accepted you before you started praying. Amen. That's righteousness. Amen. That acceptance is what makes that you can now talk to God. You can walk up to God and tell Him your problems. That's righteousness. Now, God wants every believer to understand that that righteousness is a gift. Amen. It's not a reward for hard work. It's a gift. Let's go to Romans 5.17. In Romans chapter 5, the 17th verse. Hallelujah. Are we together? It says, For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, and what? And of the gift. Everybody say gift. Say gift. The gift of what? Righteousness. Hallelujah. So now, righteousness is a gift. If I just put my hand in my pocket, walk through the crowd, and put money in someone's hand, I say, just stick. It's a gift. But if I tell someone, come, 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 help me clean this place. And then after cleaning, I say, oh, thank you. Take this. Then I'm paying him. Is that not so? Am I communicating? Now, the point is this. Righteousness is God's gift to mankind. Amen? That's what Jesus died for. Jesus died so that man can receive the free gift of righteousness. Can you receive it? Can you receive it? I quoted 2 Corinthians 5.21 last Sunday. I should mention it here again. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says clearly that for he had made him to be seen for us. The Father had made Jesus to be seen for us. Why? That who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Meaning that when Jesus was on that cross, when Jesus died, he was made sin. Hallelujah. Your sin. You have not committed the sin yet. But God already packaged it. Amen. And put it on Jesus. Are you listening to me? Your sin was laid on Jesus. So that the righteousness of Jesus will be given to you. Amen. Are we together? That's why it's a gift. Now, what did Jesus do to deserve for your sin to be put on him? Nothing. What do you have to do to deserve for his righteousness to be put on you? Nothing. Hallelujah. Are we together? The same way Jesus did not deserve your sin is the same way you also do not or don't deserve his righteousness. But God, according to the counsel of his own will, had given you his righteousness. Hallelujah. His righteousness. Amen. That's why the day you get born again, from that moment, you have been made righteous. Righteous means that you are now... You know, they say there's a word they use, personal or grata. Meaning that that person is not allowed access to this place. Now, the moment you are born again, you have been granted access to God. You can now come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Are you with me? That's the gift of righteousness. Look at number say righteousness is a gift. Have you received it? Hallelujah. It's a gift. Now, when you receive that gift of righteousness, then you can reign. What does righteousness do? One, righteousness gives you the right to have to talk to God. The reason why we can talk to God is because He has made us righteous. It's not because of what we have done, it's because of what Jesus did for us. Are we together? That's the one part of it. The other side of righteousness is that righteousness is also the reason why we can confront the devil. Amen. Are we together? And say, Satan, take your hands off my property. Take your hands off my body. It's not because we are prayer warriors. It's not because we are prophetic, evangelistic apostles. No. It is because Jesus died for us. Hallelujah. That death of Jesus on the cross made us righteous. Is that righteousness that gives us a right to talk to Satan and say, leave me alone. Amen. Are we together? You see why righteousness is so important? Without righteousness, there's nowhere to go. Amen? You can't go anywhere. That righteousness, and the devil knows that. When Paul, in Ephesians chapter 6, was listing the armor, the weapons of our warfare, or the weapons, the armor, he said, put, finally my brain, put on this armor. Then he said, um, put on the breastplate of righteousness. He called the righteousness a breastplate. The breastplate covers the vital organs. Your heart, your abdomen, you you know, if you're fighting, someone stabs you on the leg, you might survive. But if they go for this side, forget it. Amen? Now, there's a breastplate of righteousness. 
Righteousness is what covers your vital organs in the spirit. Amen. The devil knows. That's why he comes for your righteousness. The first thing he attacks is your righteousness. Always. Now you came to church. As you sat down, you are about to listen to the message. You are just about to listen to the message. Say, the pastor say, okay, now open your Bible. As you are about to listen to the message, the devil now say, you too, you are opening Bible. If this man is opening Bible, that man is opening Bible, you too, you are opening Bible. You that is coming from the bed of sickness. You that is coming from the bed of sin and fornication. You are opening your Bible. Are you understanding me? That's the devil. Then you, not, you close the Bible back. He has achieved what he wanted to achieve. He has condemned you. Listen to me. When the woman that was caught in the act of adultery came and met Jesus Christ. And then, remember she was caught in the very act. Jesus didn't say, you caught this woman. <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing this woman's movement now. She has moved you up and down. <laughs> moved you up and down. Wait first, I will join you and kill her. <laughs> you understand that? No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> Amen. Is that same Jesus? Amen. Rather, when he saw the lady, he dispersed the crowd. Is there any without sin amongst you? Let him come. They all left. Then I said, Does anyone here condemn me? He said, No. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Now, if he didn't condemn that woman, it's not you he will condemn. Amen. Are you listening to me? What now? Understand what condemnation is. That he didn't condemn you does not mean he's happy about what you did. Amen. Get the picture. It's not like he will say, Yes, man, adultery. Give me a high five for adultery. That, no, that's, not, that's not what he was. Now, he was not approving of what she did. He did not condemn her because he knows that when she receives that no condemnation, she will not sin again. Hallelujah. So he said, Neither do I condemn you. Then he gave her the mandate go and sin no more. He didn't say, go and sin no more so that you will not be condemned. He said, no. I have not condemned you. Therefore, go and sin no more. I have made you righteous. Therefore, go and live righteously. God makes you righteous so that you will do righteous things. Not the other way around. Amen? You don't do righteous things, then God makes you righteous. He has to make you righteous so that you can do the right things. Amen? Happy number say, righteousness is a gift. Say it again, righteousness is a gift. Hallelujah. Alright, so you are here in church and then thoughts start coming to your mind. You that you 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 just you that hooked the taxi driver's neck and shook his head until he almost fell from his neck his shoulder. And before you came down from this vehicle, now you are saying hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. We used to say it this way whenever the devil reminds you of your past, also remind him of his past. Amen. <laughs> His past is also not good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. The, the, guy, the guy fell. Amen. They threw him down. Amen. It was a shameful. Then, apart from that, Jesus defeated him. That's his past. Amen. <laughs> Amen. For you. Glory to God. So you remind him. He, see, the devil has no say in your life. Did you hear me? He has no say in your life. I don't know if it was in this service or the other service. I, I use this illustration. I said, let's suppose that I'm angry with my son at home. He, he offended me or he maybe broke the television or he broke something in the house or he broke the window. And then I'm offended. And I, I say, sure, you are not going anywhere. You are locked up. Blah, 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 blah. And I punish him and then I move. 
Then my security man, amen, now comes to the house after I've gone and starts slapping my child, beating him. Yes, your dad is angry with you. If I come back, you ask whether, is, is it your television he broke? Amen. That I am angry with my son does not give you the right to go and punish him. Amen. In the same way that God is angry with you does not give Satan the right to come and punish you. Are you listening to me? It still does not give Satan the right to put sickness on you. Amen. Are you listening to me? It still does not give Satan the right to keep you in a place of, of oppression. If you have a problem, you have it with God. Amen. Are you listening to me? So don't ever allow Satan oppress you. Glory to God. Now, one thing righteousness does for you is that it makes you to live above oppression. Give me um, Isaiah 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, the Old Testament. I'll just read it to you quickly. Hallelujah. Now, some of you like this scripture. Okay, I'll read 14 first. Leave 17. Let's read 14. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 14. Are you in 14? It says, In righteousness shall thou be established. Listen, you want to be established in the kingdom? It's in righteousness. Understand this righteousness we're talking about. You will be established. That's where you come to a place where there will be no shaking. Amen? The devil cannot be telling you, ah, you know, why are people afraid? <laughs> you know, some believers are always afraid. If the rain falls very hard and the cloud is darkness, oh, you don't know that Jesus is coming today. Oh, oh. Moko, loko, moko, 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 moko. They start talking in tongues. <laughs> Listen, you are not going to heaven <laughs> because you are talking in tongues. You are going to heaven because you have believed in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Hallelujah. Are we together? So whether the weather changes or it doesn't change, your righteousness is intact. Amen. Are you listening to me? Your righteousness is intact. Your righteousness does not go and come. It doesn't go and come. It's intact. Amen. It says, In righteousness shall thou be established. Then he said, You will be far from what? Oppression. For thou shalt not fear. And from terror. For it shall not come near thee. Why? Because you have been established in righteousness. When you establish in righteousness, you will be far from oppression. Sickness is oppression. Poverty is oppression. Failure is oppression. Hallelujah. You will be far from oppression. So righteousness will cause you to reign. Amen. Hallelujah. If you are not being oppressed, that means you are the one reigning. Amen. So, say, with righteousness, I reign. I refuse to be oppressed. Now, hold on. God wants you to call yourself what he calls you. We all give our children names. You call your child, you say, this child, his name is Joseph. Maybe you call him Prince. You call him Prince because that's what you feel your child is. You understand that? Then, one day they ask your child, what's your name? He says, slave. Even if it was a joke, you would say, why are you calling yourself slave? You called him prince. He's calling himself slave. Amen? 
God has called you righteous. What are you calling yourself? What should you call yourself? Amen. You know, there are some believers that have a problem saying that they are righteous. You know why? Because they say, no, there is no righteous. No, 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 no righteous. I'm not righteous. Yes, nobody is righteous. The reason why you are saying you are righteous is because you have received the righteousness of Jesus. He has given you his own righteousness. He said, now, use it as your own. Amen. Amen. Are you guys in the picture? He has given you his righteousness. Use it. That's why you now say, I am righteous. Because of what Jesus did for me. I am not righteous because of what I have done. I am righteous because of what Jesus did for me. Now, I have five minutes. Let me make good use of those five minutes. Let's go to Romans 3, verse 11. Let's go to your, there is none righteous. Some of you, those are scriptures you meditate on. You will sing a hymn with it. There is none righteous. <laughs> no, not one. You start crying. <laughs> Some people love to come to church and let the pastor beat them with words. Pastor, beat me, beat me. Tell me I'm a sinner. Beat me, beat me, pastor. Punch me. Punch me. Give me, give me black eye. Then the pastor is cleaning you up. He said, no. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know some of you, when you came to church today, you know, as you were coming to church, you entered, you expected the pastor to see a vision and see how you were stealing and reveal you to the crowd. Then you come out. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I am the worst of the worst. Pastor, did you also see the other vision? The one I did before the stealing. That one is worse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God doesn't want you to be less than human. He wants you to be all that he died. He sent Jesus to die for. So anything that degrades you or tries to dehumanize you is not of God. Hallelujah. Son of God. Do you go to a supermarket and pay for rubbish? You go to a supermarket, you bring out money. You say, what do you want to buy? Sweep the sand here and give me. Is that what you do? If you go to a supermarket, you go and buy something that you value. And then you drop your money. You say, give me this. As you go, you are not regretting how much you spent. See what I bought, man. Then you even say, do you know how much I bought this thing? Just 500 naira. That means the thing you bought, you valued so much. Jesus Christ was God's pay. What he paid. Amen. To have you. Are you listening to me? Now, now he has you. You are of value to him. Amen. Someone had to die for you to be made righteous. Praise God. So it's a big deal to God. So let's go to your non-righteous scripture. It's for you. 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 <laughs> Romans 3.11 Now, um, are we, 
10. Start from 10. Sorry. 10. As it is written. Now understand the scriptures though. Flow with me. So you don't pick out what we're not saying. Romans 3.10. As it is written. There is none righteous. Did you see that? No. Not one. That means that you see a little baby. You know babies are so cute. You understand that? So especially the ones that are chubby. You know, chicky, 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 chicky. You know, and they just look at them and say, oh, pure baby. is a sinner. That baby, sweet baby, is a sweet sinner. It's just that he has not developed to start doing it. Amen. <laughs> are we together? I'm just imagining a mother holding a baby and saying, no, this one is not among them. <laughs> then verse 11. There is none that seeketh, sorry, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now that's God's judgment on mankind. Hallelujah. Are we together? Are we together? That's God's judgment on mankind. Now look at verse 19. We'll continue. Now we know that what things whoever the law said, so he's quoting what the law said. He said to them that he said to them who are what? Under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Hallelujah. That means that what the law was saying is for them that are under the law. You are not under the law. Hallelujah. You are no more under the law. Amen. I hope you know the law has been fulfilled in Christ. Amen. Alright. So we go further. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, even if you open your Bible and start doing everything they wrote in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, you do all of them, you will still not be justified in the sight of God. He said, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is knowledge of sin. Is the knowledge of sin. Give me this scripture in um, New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Verse 20. Verse 20. Hallelujah. Let's read it there. It will make more sense, right? Romans 3.20. New Living Translation. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law Commands. Did you see that? Let's read it together. I want to go. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. God will say, Thou shalt not steal, so that you know that you are a stealer. I'm using the language, the stealer. <laughs> he said, Thou shalt not kill, so that you know that you can kill. The essence of the law was to prove to you that these things are inside you. That is not the one that is not saved. Amen? Then it says in verse 21, continue with NLT, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. Did you see that? As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Amen. Did you see that? That your faith in Christ makes you righteous. Amen. Do you believe Jesus died for you? Have you accepted his death and resurrection? You are righteous. That's what makes you righteous. And that righteousness is what makes you reign in life. The authority that you are exercising on earth is because of that righteousness. God has qualified you. So lift your hand and say, I'm qualified to prosper. I'm qualified to succeed. I'm, I'm qualified to fulfill my days. I'm qualified to be healthy because of what Jesus did for me. Put your hands down. You know, some of you think the reason why you should be very healthy is because you've been eating only vegetables. So I should be healthy. I should be healthy, man. I should be healthy. I just, I've not been eating any, all those kind of things. You know, I've been eating right. No. Eating right is not what will qualify you. Thank God. If you are opportune to eat right, eat right. Some people first have to eat before they know whether it's wrong or right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> there should be eating first before you know whether it's wrong or right. Now, but thank God for you that you, you can eat right. But the reason why you are going to be healthy is not because you are eating right. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. He has qualified you to be healthy. Hallelujah. God wants you to say, I am righteous. Can you say that? No, no, say it. Now, if you're not born again, you have to be born again so that you can say it. Hallelujah. What makes you righteous is that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the moment you receive Him, God makes you righteous. He sees you as His Son and He accepted you. Hallelujah. All heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed and loaded. Thank you.